Welcome to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. Talking Shop is the premier podcast for metaphysical entrepreneurs and sacred artists who are looking for a little EFT, that's extra sensible perspectives on the business of running a metaphysical business. My name is Teresa Reed and I'm known as the Tarot Lady. You can find me at thetarolady.com. And my wonderful sidekick, Miss Brianna Saucy, is in the house. Hello, Brie. Hello, Teresa, and hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening. We're super excited for our topic tonight. I am Brianna Saucy, and you can find me at briannasaucy.com. Well, tonight we have a show that I think is going to come in handy for a lot of people who happen to be in this metaphysical industry. And it's kind of like we are doing the podcast about how to do podcasts tonight. So for everybody who is listening to this, whether you're listening live with us or listening later on the recording, we're here to help you find your way. Because podcast, Bree, I think for a lot of people, they can seem pretty intimidating. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that podcasting, like a lot of other ways to reach out to your market or to your audience, is something that sounds really good. And then you start to try to figure out how you actually do it, and 24 hours later you drop the project like a hot potato because you're just you're just overwhelmed with information and don't know where to start and don't know where to end with the whole thing. You know, when I first started doing podcasts, I, I had one a long time ago, and I also was one of the co-hosts on a show called Beyond Worlds. And I started studying podcasts, and I got a book called Podcasts for Dummies. And I have to tell you, the book is so full of jargon and convoluted stuff. I was pretty nervous about even doing this, but I knew I wanted to get some shows out there. And back in the day, I did a little tarot podcast, and my goal for starting this one was to bring business information to people in our industry. There's a lot of business podcasts, but for metaphysical people, we have a very different side, a different different way of doing business, let's put it that way. There's not a lot of information out there, and it was my dream a couple of years ago to do this. And, you know, by this time I had a little bit of podcasting under my belt, so we were able to start this one off a lot smoother than anything I did in the past. I don't think it's been too hard, has it? <laughs> no, it's been, it's, I mean, you know, I've told you, many times that like it's been so well put together and we started this three years ago when my little boy was one year old can you believe that and so i've been a very busy mom and business owner while we've been doing this and your organization and design and producing of our shows has just been so flawless and has made it such a delight to co-host with you, besides the fact that I love you. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's been, it's, it's really been such a, a wonderful offering. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how a lot of people don't like video, but you want to get your message out there, and maybe writing is not your thing, or maybe you don't want to be limited to that. And I think podcasting, one of the things I love about it is that it gives you a different way to talk about some of the things that you're interested in. Absolutely, and also, it's podcasts are so darn handy. You know, I love putting on a podcast while I'm cleaning the house or doing things, maybe even driving or whatnot, and being able to listen to a lot of informational, great shows that are out there. And there's so 
many wonderful podcasts to choose from people. More people are doing them, not just for business, but, you know, even people like, I love Mark Marin. He has his podcast, and he's got a show on TV, too. I love people like that who are putting out thoughtful, humorous things. There's just a lot of good stuff out there, and so I think this is a great medium for business, a great medium for creative types to express themselves and to get people to know about their work. And we have probably one of our, um, not just one of our favorite podcasters, but we have someone coming on tonight who I think can really help walk people like us through the whole podcast experience in a way that's going to make it friendly, non-intimidating. Bree, would you like to tell everybody about our special guest tonight? I would. You guys, we are so thrilled and excited to have Jessica Cooperman as our special guest tonight. Jessica is a digital media strategist and the co-founder of She Podcasts and the Podcasting School for Women, as well as the new show, The Money Cast, which explores how to monetize your podcast like a boss. You can find her at jessicacooperman.com, and we'll make sure to have that website available for you in the notes on social media so that you can find it as well. Jessica, welcome welcome so much to the show. We are so thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much. Well, we knew when we were going to do something like this on podcasting and on the nuts and bolts of podcasting, I think you're the person who's going to be able to speak this lingo to our audience in a way that is going to get them to see that, you know what, this is not as scary as we may think it is. So we're really happy that you can be here to deliver this message. And what we want to do is we want to dive right into some meat and potatoes. And the question. (laughs) <laughs> we want to get right to the heart. Mm-hmm. Then the question that is on my mind and I think is on the mind of a lot of people who are listening is, what is the first thing you should consider before you even start your podcast? I think the first thing you should consider is what can you talk about a lot? What is the one subject you cannot stop talking about? Mm. Because you're really going to have to, I mean, whether you're doing an interview show or whether you're doing, you know, what's called a solo show, you by yourself, um, you don't want to be 30 episodes in and be like, oh, I'm so over it, you know. So it's good to really feel like you have so much to say on the subject that you are literally bursting with information for people. Do you think a lot of people do start these podcasts and run out of things to talk because they haven't taken the time to think about that? Well, I think that um, a lot of people start podcasts with the wrong um, purpose, and, and I think the and the purpose really needs to be um, that you either have a message that you feel really strongly has to get out there, or you really want to help people with a specific thing that you know a lot about, or that, or that you want to learn something yourself, and therefore, I mean, and that's kind of what I do with one of my shows is. I have something that I'm trying to learn about, and so I'm just interviewing everyone and their mom on this topic. I'm not an expert on it in any way. Um, But those are the types of things that you need to um, want when you're starting a podcast because if it's just um, visibility or if it's just getting your name out there or if it's just for money, you'll fizzle. 
you'll fizzle because those things don't happen right away, if at all, for certain people. And then you're left with um, maybe not having chosen something that you're truly passionate about, regardless of whether you're not. You're getting paid for it. Podcasting is the kind of thing that you need to be able to be okay with doing. You know that question, like, what would you do for free? If, you know, and then what would you, what do people ask um, to pay you to do? It's sort of like one of those things, like, you need to be cool with doing it for free because you love it so much or because you're okay with, you know, talking about this one thing because you have a different purpose besides getting paid. Because you start a show to get paid, uh, it's not going to be probably a good topic and it's not going to be, you know, and you'll, I think, lose interest quickly. Mm-hmm. And so this, this, that's super helpful, and I really like the emphasis on, you know, there's a couple of ways you can approach it. Like one way is you just have a subject that you love, and you just want to talk about it until the cows come home. That was that was Teresa and I with Talking Shop. We both were really interested in, like, the intersection of business practices and our particular industries. Um, mm-hmm. But I also really love what you said about you don't have to necessarily be an expert on your subject like you can like you can do a podcast and actually it can be you learning about a subject and just finding people to talk to who can give you information about whatever it is you're interested in exactly i mean i think it's really important that if you are going to start a show like that that you make it very 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 clear that you're not an expert but you know it doesn't really matter brie because People will come to you as the expert on that subject anyway. And in a way, you do sort of become an expert on that subject. I mean, even if I had no interest in, say, fashion, um, if you interview enough fashion designers, you sort of, you know, absorb it by osmosis because you learn, like, what they like, what they, you know, even if they're just talking about how much they love, you know, corduroy fabric, how could you not learn about that, right? Corduroy, I know yeah. it's like the- probably the taboo. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Like, you do become an expert by default, which if that's a goal of yours, is a great reason to start a show. That you want to become an expert or known as an expert in a field that you may not quite be up to snuff at yet. So you interview people, you know, and then you are the go-to person because you just have interviewed everyone and their mother on this topic. That makes perfect sense, too. And, you know, uh, I have to say one thing is with us doing this podcast, we have a lot of different special guests have come on over the years who I've learned a lot of things from by having them on the show, a lot of things about business. You know, we've had Allison Monday talking about different things to think about with your website. We've had uh, Tara Gentili giving us advice on things to think about when expanding your business. So doing the show and interviewing people, I always walk away with a lot of new ideas or things I didn't know or think about. So I I find podcasts, even if I think I know my business very well, uh, business podcasts, I'm still learning things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I feel that way too, for sure, yeah. And, I mean, you guys may know about podcasting, but having me on, I mean – there's probably stuff maybe that you've thought of or that people always ask you yeah. that you want someone to this way, you're, you'll be able to be even more of an expert on this topic because you've spoken to me about it for an hour. I mean, that's really a long time to get information from someone. Right yeah, on. that's you exactly know. right. So I want to riff off of that first question just for a moment and ask you, do you, do you recommend when somebody is like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast, I'm super pumped about this, do you recommend that 
they, you know, take their subject and create maybe the themes for like three or four shows in advance. They don't have like not to say that the whole show needs to be mapped out, but like, you know, if if we're going to do a podcast on to row in business, maybe the first show will be like, what does a brick and mortar business look like? And the second show will be, you know, what do you what do you do with to row parties? And the third show will be, you know, how do you handle difficult clients? Like, do you recommend that somebody do that? Um, you know, initial legwork before they come out with the first show, or do you think that that will just naturally come? Yeah, actually, I do think it's a good idea to have topics in advance because if you're going to do a show like that where you and Teresa are chit-chatting um, just together, which is actually similar to the show I do for women podcasters called She Podcast, um, Elsie and I, before we started that show, made a huge list of topics we could potentially talk about. We've since never had to look at this list, but it's, it's I think, important just to know, okay, we have enough topics where we could go for a while. I know I have enough to talk about on this subject where I could be excited talking about these different aspects for kind of a while. And then if you're doing a solo show and you have, like, a process that you want to take people through, I think it's good to map that out because – yeah, like first you start with the basics and then you go to the parties and then you go to best practices. I mean, there needs to be, I guess, a succession, an order in which things appear. Otherwise, if you start just talking about tarot parties, people are like, what the heck are they talking? You know, a lot of people like to listen one, two, three, four, five and not jump around. I also think um, there are types of podcasts that start and end like seasons. It's sort of a new thing. Like, uh, not that Serial invented it, because actually one of the first podcasts I ever listened to was Ricky Gervais, and he had season, you know, he would do like 20 and then break, and then another year he would do another 20 and then break. Um, but you can do it like television seasons where if you guys wanted to go through the basics and then cut for summer, and you, you guys do this too, I believe you do have seasons, you cut and then you start a whole other season for the year, and you have a totally different topic and you cut. There's so many ways to do it, but it's great to plan out at least – a few so that you know you're good for a little while. Another good reason is because if you launch with one show, you're missing an opportunity in iTunes. Um, and when you launch, a lot of times people will say, hey, subscribe to my show or check out my show. If they hit the subscribe button and just download one, you're missing out on an opportunity there. A lot of times people will hit subscribe and all the shows you have up will come into their iPod or into iTunes, and they all count as downloads, and it's downloads and plays um, and subscriptions that boost your ranking in iTunes. So if you've only got one, it's going to be a lot less than if you start out with like five in the first place. Start out with five in the first place. Give people an idea of what you're all about. That way when you come out with that next episode, they'll be already drooling for more. Mm-hmm. And it'll boost your ranking in iTunes too. So lots of good, lots of different reasons why it's good to plan out just a little bit in advance. Even three is better than one, I think. You know. Well, we like to plan a lot around here. We have our years (laughs) planned in advance. We actually have all of our shows planned for 2016. So we have everything super mapped out because I find also for me, and this is just my take, when you have it mapped out like that with plenty of advance, if God forbid something does happen and maybe a guest can't make it, 
I have emergency things that I can do that I can slam right in there. If and I we have had that step, happen before. Yep. We've ha- we've had that happen. And 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 I find that if you don't have at least a general guideline of what you're working on, what you're talking about, what your show's about, what the next show's about, I think it makes you scramble a lot harder. So planning is a really big part of how we make this thing work over here. Yeah. Elsie does the show notes. But a lot of times during the week I'll email her. Like we have a weekly show. So a lot of times during the week I'll email her like an article I want to talk about and then she puts it in the show notes. And then I'll say, this, ha-, you know, and then we chit-chat together too a lot. She's like my work wife. So we chit-chat a lot together too. And then she'll go, this would be a great topic. And she puts it in the show notes. She's in charge of the show notes. When I do my own show, I'm in charge of my own show notes. And I do the same thing. I keep a running list of stuff that I, that I kind of want to cover. But I do think that's important. It's totally different than an interview show where you guys know I'm coming on and maybe you have preconceived stuff that you definitely want to ask me or touch on or, you know, that you know about that you kind of want to dig into. When you guys are doing a solo show, it's true. Like, yeah, you have emergency stuff that you can stick in there or topics that are kind of on the back burner or even stuff in the news. I don't know how often that happens to you guys. It happens to us quite a bit lately where we can just throw in, like, a little tidbit about, you know, advertising and podcasting and just chat about it if we run out of stuff. But then you know what? She and I also digress. We're queens of digression, and that helps fill some time too, actually. So it's kind of fun. I love it. Yes, digression. It's so good. Well, one of the questions that we wanted to touch on um, is, is how podcasting can benefit your business. So we really liked what you said. I loved what you said about, you know, you need to be into whatever you're going to talk about. But for people who are wondering, can podcasting benefit your business? And if so, how? Tell us, Jessica. So keeping in mind that the audience and the people who are listening to this are people with budding and or established metaphysical businesses, one of the challenges I know you guys have, just because I follow Teresa very closely on Facebook because I love all her updates, um, you guys have a challenge in clients or even just the general public either taking you seriously or um, there's a respect issue there, I think, with people in your field. And in addition, you know, there's sort of this, like, which anybody who's ever met Teresa would know it's complete horse pucky, but, like, there's even a um, – you know, like a judgment of like flake, flakyism or flakedom or whatever it is you want to call it, you know, like the woo-woo. And I yes. think actually, I think in this particular case, especially for your audience, whether you want to perpetuate that stereotype or not, a podcast is a perfect way to do it because anybody listening to Teresa open her mouth is going to know that she has not um, got her head in the cloud. She's a very shrewd businesswoman. She's extremely intelligent. She's very down to earth, down to business, you know, that her business is this, but that she is really a businesswoman first, regardless of what she was going to tackle, it would, it would be getting ish done, you know? And I think a podcast probably really helps with that. I think, I think when you're just doing Facebook status or you're just doing emails and you're not reading carefully because web users are all super skimmers. We don't even retain half the stuff that we're looking at on a regular basis that especially people with these types of businesses, um, it's easy to be sort of blown off or, or pushed to the back burner or just whatever. And I think 
a podcast listener or when you put out your voice and your personality, you can really cement whether or not somebody wants to work with you for a variety of different reasons. I think a lot of people end up wanting to work with me because I'm funny and they think I'll be fun. You know, or, you know, they listen to Elsie and they think, wow, Elsie is really all about being in touch. She's the woo-woo in our relationship. So she's really about being in touch and community and reach out. And they'll choose working with her for that reason, for the yoga and the, and the Mother Earth type stuff. For me, they want somebody who's like, action item. Let me give you your action items, you know. Um, <laughs> but from writing, what if she and I just wrote a blog? Like, I don't think you could really get that from us. It's because mm-hmm. we talk to each other and we, and we talk to one another that you can really feel out a person's personality. And I think, the, you know, in both ways, that works for us. It works for her to be herself, which is more woo-woo than me. And I think it works for me to be whatever it is people judge me to be by my podcast. Um, I, I won't, I won't um, be, you know, I won't bother to assume, you know. But the same is true for people with metaphysical businesses, regardless of what what it is, whether it's tarot or you know pet people who can talk. You know, I don't want to pet psychic or uh, um, I'm just trying to think of the type of people I know. You know, angel card readers and stuff like that. You know, the one angel card reader I know is actually very much like Teresa. Like she may be in touch with angels and able to speak to them and read them, but she's also an extremely shrewd social media consultant for those types of businesses because she's very smart and very observant and very down to business as well. And I just, I think podcasting can really help you not just establish yourself as an expert in that field, but establish yourself maybe as a professional person, which I think is a struggle for your types of businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And by the way, thanks for all those nice words, but... Amen. Uh, I appreciate that. And I think it's true. I think when people, you know, come to a podcast and they hear your voice, they get a real feel for you. I mean, you can get lots of things off the web, off of reading things, but hearing a person talk, hearing, you know, the way they present themselves, the way they articulate ideas, it can tell you, you can kind of get a feel that this is a person that I'm going to be compatible with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, Bree and I have been um, attached on Facebook for what? What has it been, like four or five years? I've never heard her voice until tonight. And never. I've never, I mean, I've read your stuff, Bree. I've seen your website. I've looked at your art. I've literally never, if I had, I mean, I'm not saying if I had known all along, but there is definitely something different about hearing that, I hope this does not offend you, but that childlike energy that you have that wonder and that like enthusiasm and excitement. I mean, it is, it, it, it can infuse your soul in a way that your writing and your website and everything else you're putting out there can't. No, it's true. It's, 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 it's really true. I have a lot of, a lot of students who come to me and they're really surprised like that I, that I sound so young and that mm-hmm. I sound like such a cheerleader, but I was a cheerleader <laughs> and that, that is, that is a part of, of, of who I am and of how I show up. So yeah, absolutely. Are, I get that. Are you so young? Teresa said you're I'm young, 35. I'm 30. I just that. turned 35. <laughs> all right. All right. You're not that young. I'm not I mean, that young. I'm not. I'm not nearly as young as I sound. No, you're not obscenely young. But I mean, but also, you know, like looking at your picture. I mean, you do look young. But like, um, it's a completely different experience talking to you. And like I said, we've been connected for a year, four years at the least. 
And I would never have been, you know, had known this about you. And so now hearing your voice, it's like, and anyone listening to you, um, the two of you talk, you are so different in that way. Like one of you is this personality and one of you is this personality and people will be drawn to you for those exact reasons. Mm -hmm. And so whether you do an interview show or if you're doing a solo show or if you're doing a co-hosted show like this one, your personality can't help but to come out. Even if you write a script, even if you just read your blog post. If any of you out there, you want an easy way to do a podcast, go back three years ago and just start reading your blog posts just in your own voice. It makes a mm. huge difference when people can hear you speaking what you've already written. It's a huge difference. And there, you've got content right there, at least five things that you can do right now. Talk about, you know, read whatever you've written. And I think people will go, oh, man, I, you know, if you're very soothing or very zen or very energetic or very young or very businesslike or whatever it is, um, you're the person they're looking for. And by not being able to hear you, they may not know they're out, that you're out there and that, you know, and that they need you. Mm-hmm. This makes a difference, I think, a huge difference. So I think, so if I'm hearing this correctly, like one of the big ways that doing a podcast benefits your business is it gives people a chance to get to know you and Mm -hmm. to be exposed to sides of you that are just not going to come through, through your printed word, through your website, through your business card, whatever that may be, that like it gives your people a chance to really get to know you better. Yes, much better. There's that. There's the establishing yourself as an expert thing. And then there's this whole under, this whole, um, sorry, I had a, you know, even though I had a baby a year ago, it's like my brain is a little bit Swiss cheesy. And there are words that are always on the tip of my tongue that I can't exactly think of. So you'll hear me hesitate. And that's why it's because there's a hole where that word used to be. Um, So I think there's this like, I don't want to say underbelly, but it's kind of like, assumption okay it's an assumption that if you helm your own show you're a little bit of a badass i think there's like there's mm-hmm. like do you know what i'm saying it's like queen it's sort of like uh tyra banks is a perfect example you think of her as a model blah, blah blah but it's not until you've seen her sit down with her cards and rein in an audience and tell you what's going on and interview a person and be in charge of that conversation that you can take that person like seriously, so there's something about just having your own show that makes you auto Oprah, mm-hmm. and you're queen of that domain. You're taking charge. It's very empowering, not just for you, but for people who learn of your show. Oh, she has her own podcast. Hey, hey, now there's just something about it that has nothing to do with the expertise or anything. There's just something about having your own show, and it's actually for you as well as your audience. You feel it's like this. First or second time, you're nervous. By the third time, you're like, this is my show. This mm-hmm. is my show, you know? And you act that way, and your audience sees it, too. She has her own show. They don't even know what goes into having a podcast, but we all know that it's, you know, that it's work and it's struggle, and you take ownership of that. It's like giving yourself a little swagger. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Is what I'm saying making sense? I hope so. It totally makes sense. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So let's talk about some technical stuff because I'm sure this is where a lot of us get 
you know, you start talking technology to like uh, people, well, you know, I think to a lot of us mystical folks, we're like, oh, no, we don't want to learn something like that. But we do need to know about this technology stuff because we do not want to get left behind. So let's talk about the equipment that you recommend. What is some of the equipment that you feel is easy, that anyone can start with, and that they really absolutely need to get their podcast going? You know, two years ago, I would have just said a working computer and Skype um, and, you know, and audio editing software, which every computer, I mean, like, well, if you have a Mac, GarageBand comes on it. And if you don't, you can download Audacity uh, for free. Mm-hmm. And and I would have said your headphones, in fact, let's just go ahead and say that for the, for, to get started, headphones are required because now I know that you can actually hear the lawnmower in the background. I didn't know that two years ago when I started, but headphones <laughs> are helpful for sure. Um, but other than that, you really don't need anything. You know, you don't need a mic. You don't need a mic. You definitely don't need a mixer. Mm-hmm. And you don't need expensive software. You don't need to be audition. You don't need anything. Um, you need a podcast host. So it's not advised that you host the files on your own website um, through your own RSS feed because if you do blog, the one feed carries everything and then you're uploading everything to iTunes instead of just one part of the feed. So I really recommend that you have a host separate that you can use. It's also good to have a podcast host because often they'll give you statistics, how many people listened and what your download numbers were and um, which shows were the most popular. Whereas if you're just putting it in your website and using an RSS feed, you get no statistics other than what Google Analytics gives you. Mm-hmm. So headphones, computer, the headphones should and need a microphone. Um, and then website-wise, you, you need a podcast host. Um, Submitting to iTunes, you need cover art. It doesn't have to be beautiful, et cetera. Um, and you need to be able to learn the editing software so that you can, you know, if you want to take out the ums and the errs. I don't edit my shows. Elsie edits the show that she and I do together. And when I do a solo show, just me talking, I edit those because I'm the only person talking. And so I feel like if you, if I say, um, or if I make noise, like it's very, very obvious. However, when I'm doing an interview, I don't even touch it. I really don't even look at it. I literally just put the beginning music and the end music and upload it. I can't be bothered. Whatever I said, so it shall be. <laughs> and that's it. And you can take the same approach. Just do, and even if you mess up, you know, it makes you sound human. If you fumble over a word or if you say, wait a minute, let me just look at my notes here for a second. You know, nobody cares. It's interesting. It's actually more interesting. It's like watching the bloopers of your favorite show. Sometimes it's better than the show to hear those things happen. So I tend not to be a heavy, heavy editor. Um, You just need to learn the uh, software enough to be able to add, you know, some nice beginning music or a voiceover that says welcome or some nice ending music if you want to. And also that usually that software is what you speak into as well. So you need that stuff just so you can turn on the mic and record what you're saying. Um, you guys use instant, what is it, instant teleseminar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a perfectly good thing. There's also services like Adobe Acrobat where you call a number and it will record what you have to say. And you can just use that as a recording if you don't even want, you know, GarageBand or Audacity or that type of software. So it's very minimal 
technical requirement. I think once people get into it and they've started a few with lower end, I don't need this, I don't need that, after a while you start to think, well, maybe I would sound better if I had a mic. Maybe I should learn how to have like an intro. Maybe I should, but you don't need any of that stuff. And I, my vote, especially for people who are technically averse, which most women are, not necessarily even this audience, but just most women in general are very technically averse. I say keep it as simple as humanly possible. Maybe it will be slightly out of your comfort zone on some level, but go baby steps a little bit at a time until you're ready to feel like, yeah, I can, maybe I can tackle a microphone or maybe I can learn how to edit. But you don't need really to do any of it. Mm-hmm. I hope that was – I mean – you need some stuff, as I said, but um, it doesn't have to be intimidating. You can keep things very simple. And as Teresa mentioned earlier, you know, the more prepared you are, the less editing you have to do. So really, there's even more reason why you don't need to learn that stuff. So can you give us an idea of how, you know, just real basically, you record, edit, and publish your, your podcast? I mean, what are the steps you sure. go through? So, um, okay, so I'll talk about the money cast right now because a lot of that's a, it's a solo slash interview show. So we'll just talk about first just doing me talking by myself. Basically, I make an outline with bullet points of the stuff I want to cover. Sometimes I don't even look at it because once I get started on a tangent, I'm off. But a lot of times I do refer back to it. I use Google Docs. I don't print anything out. I open up Google Docs, I open up GarageBand, I put the microphone and my headphones on, because I do use a mic now. Um, I didn't always, but I do now. Put the microphone on, put my headphones on, hit play or record on GarageBand. I open GarageBand, just hit record, and just start talking. Sometimes, if I forget what I'm going to say, I don't even hit stop. I just stop talking for a minute go look at what I need to look at and come back. Because when you are editing, you can see, you know, sound waves, right? So you can see when there's a flat line, you just edit that part. So, you know, if you know you're going to be able to see a flat line, so I'm okay with just leaving it on rather than stop, record, stop, record. I don't do that. I say what I have to say. I hit stop. And then keeping GarageBand open, first of all, I save it immediately. And then I have an intro already done with music and everything. So I pull that file into what's called a track. Um, And the track is what you've just recorded on. So I I put what's called a bumper because it's, you know, it's like you're bumping the front and you're bumping the back. So the intro bumper goes in the front. And then I go through the solo show. Now, what I didn't know until I started doing my own show by myself is that I have a little bit of a speech impediment. I kick sometimes before I start a sentence, I go, and then I start talking. You probably would never hear it just in this conversation, but again, when it's just me, I was seeing these little ups in the audio lines, and I was like, what is that? And then it's me going really loud. It's so obnoxious to me, so I don't like it. So I'm still a little self-conscious about it, so I take it out. I don't take it out like every um or er or I don't do that because I like to sound like a human being, but I don't like kicking. <laughs> it sounds uh-huh. weird. So um, I take out the kicks, and then I do the end bumper, and then in GarageBand it's export. So I export as an MP3, 
my audio file is all done. Then I write, you know, I take the outline that I had written and I create my show notes out of it. Again, I do not have complicated show notes. Some people listen to the whole thing and dictate to themselves like every minute and what they said within each minute. I don't bother with that at all. I really just make a list of bullets as to what stuff I covered sort of in succession. So like if I'm talking about media kits, what goes into a media kit? All the things you need before you start making a media you know, I just make bullets and then at the bottom of the show notes is usually the same links. Subscribe here, want to be a guest, etc. And then I go to Libsyn, which is my my podcast host. The name of it is Libsyn. It's L-I-B-S-Y-N. It's very inexpensive. It's five dollars a month, and it's actually a very easy process. You, it says um, new episode, click. So I click upload your media file here. Upload. Put your title here. Boom. Put your show notes here. Boom. Do you want to publish it now, or do you want to schedule it? I usually schedule it for the whatever show day I want it. And then they also give you an option where it says, okay, do you want us to publish this to WordPress too? Sure, why the heck not? Publish to WordPress, then you open your website It's in a draft, schedule that for whatever day you want, and shaboomy, you're done. Then after that, because I like to get fancy, I do, I schedule social media for that day as well. You know, check out this episode, and I schedule four or five tweets to go that day. Also, um, that's usually when I make episode art, which is um, just a little square graphic with the same background and then just the title. All it is is like one, you can even do it in Canva. You pick a background, you write a title in a certain font, boom, you're done. Um, But I like to have episode art because I think people notice it better on Facebook if you have a graphic to go with it. So I make episode art, then I schedule my social media and I'm done. The whole process, depending on how long your episode was, takes about a half hour to an hour. Um, and then if you, um, again, you know, if you want to get fancy, you can do a bunch in a row. So you take four hours out of your month and make one per week. When I do interviews, it's much more complicated because there's all this interview maintenance that goes on. You guys are pretty, you schedule you guys have it down pretty well for what you guys do because it's a monthly show, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you schedule it. I mean, I think we scheduled this like back in June, maybe even earlier. Maybe it was a year ago. I know it was a we, long time we ago. Can, yeah, we we scheduled them like a year, over a year in advance. Yeah. I think I was still pregnant when I said yes to this show, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't do it that often. So like, I don't do it that way. I have a system that I use called Schedule Once. And I set it up where basically you tell it you're available for interviews this time, this day, and it gives you a link. And then basically, like, if I wanted to interview Teresa, I'd be like, I'd love to have you on. Here's the link to schedule. And then I don't have to do anything else. She books it. It goes into her calendar. It goes into my calendar. It reminds her. It thanks her. uh, gives her all the information for calling in. I don't have to do anything else except set up what times I'm available and maybe what questions it's going to ask her when she books, you know, do, do we need her Skype or her phone number, this and that. That's it. It's very easy for me. Um, I used to do it all myself where I would ask someone and they would say, yay, when are you free? When are you free? Da, 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 da. That was sucking my life into the toilet. I couldn't do it anymore. So I use a, I use a system called Schedule Once. Um, the person comes on. I introduce them using their bio, and then I don't even usually even have an outline, but I'm very good um, 
ad hoc. I'm very good without outline. I have an idea of stuff I want to ask them about. Not everyone is good like this. And if you if you're not, what happens is you're both sitting in silence because they're waiting for you to ask them something and you're sitting there thinking up like what to ask them and maybe you're a little nervous. I could talk to anybody about anything at any time for any reason. So I will never run out of like conversation starters for someone, <laughs> you know? So like, it doesn't even matter who I'm interviewing. I'm just like, so tell me about this. Tell me about that. I read this about you. I heard that about you. And then usually the conversation goes in a certain direction. Sometimes the people just start giving my audience advice. And I don't even have to ask questions. They're like, I'll tell you what's important about this. It's like, please do. Do my job for me. I love it. But, no, I mean, my interviews are very casual. There's no pressure. Um, The thing also I think women, besides being technically averse, is they are perfectionists. We have to do everything perfect. You have to let go of that here. Like, it doesn't really have to be perfect. As long as you know yourself well enough to know you either need an outline, you need pre-questions for this person, or you're cool just going by the seat of your pants. However you work best, you need to know yourself well. And that's really more important than the tech, because the tech, most tech is easy enough that children are able to do it. You have to remember that. I know people are technically averse. Whatever you're faced with a piece of technology, and this is not just business. It's not just computer. I'm talking cell phone, television, remote, etc. Most technology is not created to confuse or upset you. You just have to breathe a little bit and not panic and know that like they're really meaning for it to be instinctive. So use the instincts you have that have been created by the other technology you use. So like you know, okay, you're picking up an iPhone for this first time, Like a computer, it has a home. It has a start area. It has like, you know what I mean? So most technology is sort of like that. Podcasting is no different. The new tools that you're using are no different. There's like a an edit section and a start section and a print section, you know, and a and a share part and an exit part. Those are like your main players and pretty much anything you touch. And this is no different. So as as long as you stay relaxed and you know yourself well enough to know okay, I'll spend my time on this, or I know I'm not good with that, or this part I definitely, I think, need to outsource because it's taking me too long. I'm not good at it. It's driving me crazy. Those are your three things that you know you got to get rid of. It's something like the social media. Maybe you're going to be great at podcasting, but you have want nothing to do with scheduling tweets in advance. Just give that part to someone else, you know? Any part of it. All of it's technical. The recording, the editing, the uploading, the tweeting, the promoting, the making the graph, all of it is technical. So there's inevitably going to be some part of it that you're not cool with. Just either A, don't do that part, or B, give it to someone who is good at it, a VA, uh, someone on what used to be Odesk, I forget what they're called now, um, anybody. If you have someone helping you in your business, which hopefully hopefully you do, somebody somewhere is helping you with your business. <laughs> That's my advice. So I hope, you know, I hope that the tech, I, I really work really hard to make sure that the tech is like the least objectionable part of podcasting because the other part of it is speaking, right, and finding your voice, knowing what to say, not feeling like a jerk or stupid. That part is very hard for people too, having a voice, finding a voice, feeling like you can say everything you need to say without being judged, and especially, once again, in, in your business. Saying what you have to say without being judged is a huge um barrier to overcome 
And so those things, I feel like if you can overcome that, the tech is peanuts, really. Right on. Right on. Yeah. So, Bree, didn't you have a question about live shows versus pre-recorded? That we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, this is something that that I didn't even know that this was like a a subject of interest, but as it turns out, it is. Um, so, what's your advice on a live show versus a record a pre-recorded show? So, this is a live show. I don't know, have any idea how many people are on it. But I can only give you what my experience was with Lady Business Radio. And, and it's not necessarily, I don't want anyone to take this as do it this way as opposed to this way. But my experience was this, and this has a lot to do with my personality, et cetera. I thought I was the smartest person alive for coming up with the idea of a live podcast. Because I was like, why is no one doing their show live? I am a genius. I will invite everyone to come and do it live with me. And we can interact and they can ask questions of the guests and everyone will go home happy. And for the first one, I had a pretty healthy, you know, I'd say 25 people showed up for the first live one and it was a really good guest and there was great interaction. I was super excited. And the next time that number sliced in half. So it went from like 25 to like 12. And I was like, oh, so it's pretty healthy. I'm pretty happy with that. It's pretty good. And I was promoting the living not out of it before the live broadcast. I was promoting it like crazy and um, join this live. Can't wait to see it. We're going to be there, blah, blah, blah. And I have a pretty healthy community before I started my podcast, so there was no reason why I couldn't round up a good amount of people to come do this live with me every week. In my head, right, I'm just like, these people love me. They're going to do whatever I want them to do. So um, by, by show three, that had cut down to six. By show four, it was one person besides me and the guest, and I was pretty angry about it because I was like, I, don't <laughs> I know, I was super angry about it. I was like, I don't understand. No one loves me. Why aren't they doing it? Blah, blah, blah. Then I go into Libsyn, my podcast host, host, and I look at my statistics, and forget those twenty-five people. Like three hundred people had listened to that first episode, and then and then two hundred people had already listened to the last one. And then, you know, 50 people had already downloaded the one I had just published. So the problem was not that they weren't listening. They just weren't doing it when I told them to do it. So bossy Jessica loses again, right, because I am such a bossy lady. Like, they're doing what I want, just not when I say so. And then I thought, I don't want to be angry at my audience for, you know, I don't want to boss them around and tell them what to do. And then I felt like I was dealing with my little sister all over again, like, you know. She'll do it, but she'll do it when when and how she wants to. And this is the same thing. So I was just like, you know what? I'm letting go of the live thing because I was too emotionally invested in who was showing up, way too emotionally invested in who was showing up. And then as soon as I started pre-recording it, knowing and having confidence that, yeah, people were going to listen whenever they wanted because that's really the beauty of podcasting. They can listen whenever they want. It's on the go, in your car, when you're vacuuming, when you're – you know, doing work, when you're doing whatever. That's actually what makes podcasting great. It's actually what makes this audience better than any other audience is that they can do it whenever they feel like. And so, and not just when they're at the computer. So I let go of it. And then as soon as I let go of it and I started using Skype um, and not using instant, te- well, I think I was using instant teleseminar too. Um, 
the vo- the sound quality was a little better too because it sounded less like a conference call and more like two people talking in the same room. And you can hear the difference in Lady Business Radio, like the first five episodes versus like the last five sound completely and totally different from one another. Um, and it's, and I actually, no one ever wrote me and said, thank God you changed your audio. But to me, that that telephone call sound has its charm. And then also being in the same room as your guest also has its charm. And I mm-hmm. and once I stopped doing the conference call thing, I actually preferred the way it sounded because people did say, I feel like I'm having coffee with the two of you. I feel like I'm eavesdropping on just friends chatting. And I didn't get that at first. At first, it probably sounded like a webinar or a seminar. Um, and again, which is fine. Um, so I, I usually advise people, you know, to do it live. But if you are going to do it live, make sure either um, you're not, you're cool with no one showing up and that it's still going to be pre-recorded because I, like I said, I got really hot under the collar about that. Not everybody would be like that. That's just controlling me. It's just me being controlling, you know. Um, but that's my experience with it. So it's hard for me to give other people advice about should you or shouldn't you. I find that it's very hard to get live listeners, though. And, you know, and I almost got discouraged and quit. And I and I, that would have been a huge mistake because the show ended up to be pretty – pretty successful, and um, and I would have quit simply because I couldn't get people live. That's not a good enough reason mm-hmm. to stop. So I, that's probably what I would say. If you can't get people live, it's not a good enough reason to stop. Just what they call pivot. Just pivot your idea a little bit and keep trucking. So uh, we're we're getting close to uh, down to the end too. Yeah, sorry, things I, I can talk, can I? Sorry. Oh no, no, time is wonderful. We love yeah, it. Yeah, we're 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 nodding our heads. We're learning here. This is all stuff we need to hear, and it's stuff our audience needs to hear too. I'll try to go faster if you have more to. Sorry. No, no, we'll, we're going to be fine. One of the things I wanted to ask you though is, um, how do you find guests for your shows? What are your rules for interviewing guests? And also, what is your advice about having a co-host? If you could give us that in a few minutes, that would be mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, so the first one is how do I find guests? Yeah. Um, so I try to connect with them on some level before I ask them to be a guest on the show. I don't usually cold pitch people. When I have cold pitched them, sometimes they said yes, sometimes they said no. But I've also been on social media a really long time, so even the people I was cold pitching knew of me. I've seen me around. I was a student of theirs. They were a student of mine. I've watched them. I had some connection with them already. I very rarely will cold pitch someone. And I don't necessarily even like to be cold pitched either. I prefer to ask the person to be on my show. There have been times when I was desperate need for someone who was an expert in a certain topic, and I would post in a Facebook group. And really, anyone who um, said yes, I still have to vet them a little bit. Because I'm actually very particular about who I interview. I want to make sure that they're an expert on the topic and that they've been around for a while. I don't like to interview people who are supposed to be an expert on a topic who've only been doing something for like three months or who have, I don't want to say low audience, but I like to, especially for Lady Business Radio, because it's a really digital world, and I like to make sure that they've invested some time in growing their digital life a little bit. Don't just throw up your digital shingle, having done something, you know, having been a medical doctor for 17 years, but you have like four, you know, but all of a sudden you're selling, I don't know, advice about health. Um, I want to see that you've invested in your online business a while, because I don't want to send my guests to a website that looks terrible or is brand new or looks like your, you know, college student friend did it. 
I don't like that because it makes me feel like I'm, it looks like I've interviewed someone who's unprofessional, even if you are, you know, good in your field. So I do have standards about that. What was the second question? Uh, um, tell me well, that was about finding guests, but we also want to know about, you know, your rules for interviewing guests, but also your yes. with a co-host. Yeah. R- rules for interviewing guests for me was, was pretty much that they have to be established. Um, and actually, I have burned myself in allowing people to be established, but I didn't hear. It's really good if you can hear them on an interview or see them speak at some point. Because although this is really, there's really no way of knowing this in advance. Sometimes you get people on who just are not good speakers. They're not good at being interviewed, and they can't expound on what they're talking about. And so they give very short answers to your questions, and then you're left after 20 minutes like we have nothing left to talk about. Because I've asked you everything I can think of, and you have nothing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and so it's really good if you – this is why it's also good to know them a little bit at first because you know they'll be comfortable with you. Uh, a total stranger who may be an expert but can't speak a full sentence, you know, it speaks in four-word sentences, that's that's no good. So it's good to, to establish that. And, again, as an established – so that's why I asked you both. Okay, and the last one, advice for a co-host. Um, I've only had one co-host. It was Elsie. Um and I will I will give advice for business partner because I think that's that's really what your co-host is. She's a business partner, and my advice is make sure that you both have mutual respect for one another more than you have a friendship. Your friendship mm-hmm. can come later, mm-hmm. but if, but if you're best friends, but you don't necessarily you know, but maybe you've been best friends since you were in high school and you already know this person's flaws and they already know that you have a, whatever, I don't even know. I was going to say like a drinking problem and you know that person has a weakness for chocolate or whatever. You're going to dig at each other a little bit because you're like sisters. Elsie and I, I think she's brilliant at what she does and that's how I knew her first. Same with her. She's been a client of mine. I've been a client of hers. We have a huge mutual respect and it was only through doing our show that we became like work wives, wives, I guess. But I first had a huge mutual respect for her, um, and I think that matters way, way more than your friendship because whatever parts you um, play and getting your show live, you have to feel accountability towards the other person. And if this person is your sister and they'll understand if you have a headache and you didn't feel well and you didn't get an Valentine, no, 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 no. You can't play that game with your co-host. You have to want to impress them a little bit. You have to hope they don't hate you a little bit. You have to hope that they talk you up a little bit, but not always be sure. Because I think that's what makes a good talk. That's what makes a, a good co-host. I mean, yeah, I'm comfortable enough with Elsie where I can tease her. I can interrupt her. I can make fun of her and vice versa. But when it comes down to the business of getting our show done, we do not mess around with what the other person thinks or feels. If we're late, we explain. If we can't do something, we let the other person know in advance. If we have to reschedule, we don't wait till the last minute. Business is business, and business is first. And that's my advice for somebody. And, and, you know, I can kind of tell that you guys have that as well. You guys are business partners first and friends second. I think that's important. Yeah, I I think so for the reliability that you're talking about. Like, like, we've never missed a show. You know, we've we've done this for three years, and neither of us have ever missed a show. And when we've had to pinch it, we've we've shown up and we've done that. And I, and Mm -hmm. I think it's because of that respect. That, that there's that consistency. Mm-hmm. It's important. And I think your audience can smell when um, you guys have a, I don't want to say a shaky relationship, but I think an audience, your audience can smell when the co-hosts are too close 
Like even husband and wife, even let's just say your co-host is yeah. your spouse. You have to, you can't, you, they, that's not going to be a successful show if that marriage is, is on the rocks. If there's anything going on behind the scenes, like my husband, I respect him enough first where even if we got divorced, if we were doing a podcast, go help me, I would show up. Because mm-hmm. I respect the out of him first. And then, you know, I'm his wife. You know, it's just it's just that kind of relationship. And so I think you need to have that with your co-host too, for sure. Not just reliability, but also also you want to make, you all want, always want to make the other person look good. Always want to make sure the other person looks their best. I mean, I guess part of that is being a good friend, right? But I don't know. I, I just think um, in all good relationships that work out, I think the respect is the most important thing. I, I guess I'm saying this because I've been in relationships where it wasn't the most important thing and it never goes well no matter what aspect it's in. Friendship, <laughs> relationships, business. If you don't respect the other person, it's just it's, it's uh, a nightmare. Yeah, I totally agree. And I do respect Bree 100% and love working with her. She's been just the most amazing partner for the last three years. I've been very blessed. That's awesome. Oh, I feel the same way. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's a love so, Jessica, we want you in our last, like, five minutes. We want you to tell us about all of your swag, girl. You've got she podcasts mm. and money cast and your podcasting school for women. Tell us mm-hmm. about all of these goodies that you've got cooking. So right now, the site that I'm working on the hardest is ShePodcast.com, and it has the show that I've been referring to that I do with Elsie Escobar. And we also have started a webinar series where the webinar is for free. For You know, you sign up, you do the webinar live. It's free for 48 hours, and then you pay for the recording. And the recording usually comes with goodies like templates and downloads and slides and transcripts, et cetera. And so we've built, we're building and have built a little shop, ShePodcast.com slash shop, um, for podcasters. Right now, the webinars we've done have been about sponsors and advertisers, LinkedIn, and Clamor. But we also have in there the Podcasting School for Women, which is um, a home study course where it takes you from everything from the beginning, concepting, being you, finding your voice, through the tech through the marketing, and then all the way to the end, which hopefully is monetization for people on some level, even if it's just driving traffic to your business. Um, it's, and it's a seven-week course. It's in the shop right now, shepodcast.com, forward slash shop. Also, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, um, we have a group, as I said earlier, it's, 20, it's almost 2,500 women podcasters, and it's just shepodcast.com forward slash group. It redirects to the Facebook group. It's free. You just have to request. Uh, we get a lot of spam, so you have to request to be added. Um, let's see what else. What else? Um, that's it right now. A lot of what I do is just helping people get a podcast up. I consult with Elsie. I consult by myself. Um, and I, I do a lot of graphic stuff still, actually, believe it or not, like podcaster websites and cover art and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, check out ShePodcast.com. I think you'll really like it. The Money Cast is on my own website, which is jessicacupferman.com. But you can just go to themoneycast.com, too, and it will probably redirect to my website. I'm saying that now because I'm thinking, I'm sort of in the process of moving that stuff over all into one place. I just, I got so many projects that I just had started to have too many websites. Just consolidate Mm -hmm. that stuff. Just gets crazy. Stuff gets crazy. It's getting crazy out there. I have to reel in. Yeah, streamline. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I got to reel in my, my, my shiz. As they say. 
So for everybody who is listening in again, where you can find Jessica will be at jessicacupferman.com. And let me spell that. It's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-K-U-P-F-E-R-M-A-N.com. You can find her there, and you can also find her at shepodcasts.com. So those are all the different places where they can find you. And, Jessica, I want to thank you so much for sharing your incredible knowledge with our audience tonight. We really appreciate having you here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I hope it was helpful. If anyone has any questions or you feel a little timid about starting a podcast, please reach out to me. I think that your voice is really more than even other women because there's so few of your type of business that have podcasts. It really needs to be heard. I urge you to reach out to me. And let me guide you through it a little bit. If not me, then Elsie, somebody, just anybody, let them guide you through it so you can get your voice out there. Imperative, necessary. That's all. Absolutely. Amen, sister. Yes. I love the two of you. Thank you so much. (laughs) We love you too. And we love our audience. And Bree, what have we got cooking up for next month? Well, next month we are going to do our end of the year roundup. And so it will be you and I, Teresa, tackling some of the gnarliest questions about sacred arts and metaphysical businesses. What are the loose ends that need to be tied up? We will be here tying those loosens up and talking about probably our own years in in some respect, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And what is that show? And that show, thank you for reminding me, is Wednesday, November 25th at 8 p.m. Central Time, same time, same place. We look forward to seeing many of you there. And by the way, guys, we are now loaded up on iTunes. You can subscribe to this show on iTunes and never miss a show. Uh, all you have to do is search for Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, and boom, there we are. And hopefully we will see you guys next month here live with us. Uh, thank you again, Jessica, for being here. Thank you thank for you. our wonderful audience. I am Teresa Reed. You can find me at thetarolady.com. And Bree, where are you? Thank you, everyone, for coming tonight, and thank you, Jessica. And you can find me at briannasaucy.com. Have a great night, everyone. Good night. Bye.